series today that we are entitled Maturing in the Faith. Maturing in the Faith. Uh, and I, it is my prayer that, um, uh, that we all can get a hold of something during this time that will help us grow uh, to become stronger Christians and to be over, overcoming uh, and to be pleasing unto the Lord. And uh, we're going to begin our, uh, uh, our study today. We're going to, to the book of Hebrews, the sixth chapter. And we're going to read the first six verses of, of Hebrews uh, and uh, to use it as our scripture uh, reference and uh, opening uh, text today. And this is how it reads. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, and of laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permits. For it's impossible for those who were once enlightened and tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to renew them again to repentance, seeing they uh, crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. I want to call your attention to the first verse where he said, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection, and that's what we're going to deal with that part uh, uh, today. Let's pray. Fathers, we come today. We thank you and we praise you, God, for the privilege to be in your house again. We thank you, Lord, for everyone that is here. We pray for those that are not here today, those that are on the road traveling or, or whatever the reason. But speak to us today right now. Let your anointing fall upon me. Give us what you would have us to receive today. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. On this first lesson of this series, Maturing in the Faith, I want to speak to you on a subject titled about the four indispensable needs for serious Christian living. Now, this is not going to be a shouting message. It's not something that we're going to, uh, I don't think, uh, just get all uh, built up and start swinging from the chandeliers. How many knows that there's sometimes we need to get down and just be taught the Word of God? Amen? Uh, and, uh, and not having an opportunity to do this, is, uh, do this uh, uh, in, our, uh, in a midweek service, uh, this, this is very important. And... I know that everybody here is uh, concerned about these issues, and it shows that by the fact that you are doing something. Everybody's not doing the same type of consecration and fast. Um, everybody's not on the total 21-day Daniel's fast. Some are doing different things. But just for the fact that you're trying to take some time to consecrate yourself unto God uh, shows God that you are serious about living for God. And that's what I want to talk about today. There are four indispensable needs for serious Christian living. And these four things that I'm going to share with you today is not anything new. We're not going to pull anything different out of the hat. It's going to, all four of them are going to be things that you have 
heard before, but for some reason a lot of folks, amen, let these things, we forget about them or we, they get put on the back burner or, 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 or whatever the cause. And we, but we got to understand if we're serious about living for God, if we're serious about uh, uh, making Jesus the Lord of our life, if we're serious about going to heaven when we leave this world, then we've got to be concerned with a few things. There's some needs that we've got to have. Um, and like I've already said, since we're on the onset of a new year, and we're in this middle of this period of consecration uh, in which we've already seen God already honored. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I definitely believe that the power of God that flew through here last week was because of people fasting and seeking Him. Hallelujah. And, we, and God is doing other things, and we're going we're gonna to see a lot, lot great other things happening. It would benefit us. It benefits us to stop and take some time to evaluate our individual lives to take inventory of our spiritual growth. I believe that there's no greater time of the year than the first of a year, the end of the one, and the first of the beginning of the year to do that for each and every one of us, amen, to take some times to evaluate ourselves, to be honest with ourselves, look at our spiritual growth. The Bible says that if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Amen? Hallelujah. So, uh, it's important that we do that and look at our accomplishments from the time of our conversion up to now. And let me ask everybody here today. I'm not asking for a show of hands or somebody to speak up or nothing like that, but I just want you to seriously consider. Let me ask this question and be honest. Are you satisfied or do you honestly believe you have grown in God as much as you could have grown up to this point. Just think about that. Are you satisfied with your rate of maturity in God from the time that you got the Holy Ghost up until this present time? Let me ask this then. Secondly, do you think God is well pleased with your rate of growth? Is God, is God are, you, are, are you pleased Amen, with my, my growth, with uh, what I've accomplished. Now, don't fool yourself as some do because I've heard some try to fool themselves by saying, well, at least I'm still saved. I'm still in church. Well, I'm here to tell you, folks, I don't mean to be harsh or cruel, but that is one of the greatest cop-outs that I've ever heard. Hallelujah. Because I, I, I assure you there's going to be a lot of people who never missed a church on Church on Sunday is going to be lost. Hallelujah. Amen. One of the other denominations that I've been well familiar with uh, and uh, was big on these Sunday school pens. And, uh, and you'd get up uh, uh, and they'd, uh, uh, if, you, if you went uh, a year and, uh, and not missed a Sunday, you got the pen. Then if you, then if you went um, uh, the second year and never missed a Sunday, they'd put a little bar on it. And you'd add a bar after bar. I was I was in service one uh, one time in in, uh, in this particular church, and uh, where this man had become so help me he had he had that pen on his lapel of his coat. But brother Wayne, those bars come all the way down to here.
And the sad thing about it is a lot of people think that's going to get them by at the judgment. But that's not going to do it. That's not going to, that's not going to do it. Hallelujah. Amen. So we just can't cop out by saying, well, I, I, I'm still in church. I still go to church every Sunday. Uh, and that's not going to get it. You Listen to me, church. You are in disobedience to the Word of God. And we all, we, we got to say, ouch, oh man, uh, oh me, or, or, or what, something right here. But we are all in disobedience to the Word of God if we're on the same spiritual level today as we was last year at this time. Bless the quietness. If you, when you evaluate your walk with God, and you look at your accomplishments and, and your growth. And if we have to say that I'm still hovering about the same place spiritually today as I was a year ago at this time, I'm going to tell you, we're in disobedience of the Word of God if that be the case. Hallelujah. I don't have the time and it's not, it's not, it's not a part of my message but believe me, I can take you to many, many scriptures in the Word of God, amen, that teaches, amen, how that God desires spiritual growth. Amen. I mean, one of, and one of the, the ones that most people know mighty well is the Apostle Paul when he wrote the Church of Corinthians. Um, he said, he said uh, how, how did he say that? He said, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I understood as a child, but when I become a man, I put away childish things. Now, let me tell you something. Paul's not talking about a yellow rubber duck in his bathtub right there. Hallelujah. Amen. It ain't got nothing to do with you, you little uh, yellow rubber duck in your bathtub. Be a fight you take to try to take care of my little uh, uh, yellow rubber duck out of my bathtub. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. He's talking about the spiritual person, the spiritual man. Amen. And God is concerned that we grow up totally. And I, and I look back and I, and I tell you what, I, 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 I just thank the Lord for so much because I, I, I look back over various people and I know of the growth in your life. There are many of you that I've seen where you was once was and what you're doing today. Amen. And it thrills my heart. And if it thrills my heart, my Lord, I can just imagine how it makes, hallelujah, your heavenly Father look. Amen. Just stop and think about it. Amen. Maybe maybe your children are already grown. But think back when your children were growing up. Amen. And you had to go to school to some kind of recital or some kind of program. Amen. That your boy or girl was in. Amen. And you've seen them perform and do this. Man, didn't make you proud. Amen. They received different kind of awards. They got, oh man, you just tickled to death. It made you want to pull out your water. Amen. And throw them and give them a little money when they got on the principal's list. Amen. The principal's list today is a, is a different kind of list. Amen. But it made you happy. Amen. And proud. How much more do you think the Heavenly Father, glory to God, looks down upon us and He sees us, amen, being serious about living for Him and being overcomers and growing day by day. God Himself has proud. I believe He looks at the heaven, angels in heaven and say, look at that. 
Hallelujah. I don't know how you feel about it, but I want, I want my daddy to be proud of me when he sees me. Hallelujah. I want him to look on me with pride. Now, the writer of Hebrews tells us to leave the principles of the doctrine of Christ and go on to perfection. Now, I'm still in introduction. I don't know how far in the word I get today, but he said, let us leave the principles of the doctrine of Christ, go on to perfection. Now, what does that mean? What does exactly that mean? Well, I want to read that, that, just that one verse in a few other translations. The Bible in basic English translates it like this. For this reason, let us go on from the first things about Christ to full growth. Go on from the first things about Christ to full growth. Uh, another translation, the, the Weymouth translation, translates it like this. Therefore, leaving elementary instruction about the Christ, let us advance to mature manhood. Hallelujah. See, this word perfection, a lot of people get so scared about that. It's not, it's not talking about sinless perfection to where that you'll not ever have to worry about sin or not, not worry about lust again. You're going to have to deal with your flesh as long as you're living in it. You're going to have problems with it. This is talking about going into spiritual maturity. Hallelujah. Amen. So it's an advance to mature manhood. Another translation, the English Standard Version says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. So now, we can see basically God is telling His church, it's time to grow up. Amen. He's trying to let His body say, you're down here at the end times. Everything that I've foretold in my word is coming to pass. It's in the newspapers every day. It's on the TV every day. I'm fixing to come back to get a bride. It's time for my church to grow up. And you know, folks, it, I think we ought to get serious about that. I think we ought to get serious about that. Amen. It's time for us to grow up. Now, before I go on, I gave you two or three different translations. Uh, I just wondered... Uh, what if there was a technological version? Uh, since we're living in the age of technology, if there was if there was such a thing as a technological version of the scriptures, I believe it'd be translated like this: Hebrews six and one. So why are you running that outdated program upgrade? <laughs> Hallelujah. How many knows it's, some, it's, it's time for some folks in the body of Christ to do an upgrade, hallelujah, on their spiritual walk with God? It's time for some people to do an upgrade on their relationship with God. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. That's something that, amen, amen, that we should uh, think about, amen, in the, maturing, uh, in, in, 
the faith. Now, I basically said that, amen, for all of those technological uh, junkies out there who are, who are junkies on iPod, iPad, and iPhones. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So you can honestly make sure you understand where we're coming from and what we're talking about. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe God wants us to, to move on, don't you? I believe He wants us to go on. Let's talk about the first need for serious Christian living. And as I told you, uh, this, these things are not anything different. It's, it's, um, uh, it's something that has been in the Word of God and something that we have been taught to do for years, but sometimes we have a problem. The first need for serious Christian living is the need of prayer. The need of prayer. Out of all the scriptures that the Bible talks about praying, I chose Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, where he says, Continually, continue earnestly in prayer, being diligent in it with thanksgiving. Continue earnestly in prayer. The one most important factor in creating and maintaining a relationship with God, and we talk about having a relationship with God around here all the time. We talk about that where God wants to have you to have a relationship. He don't want you to have uh, more religion. Religion is not going to do it for you. You need to develop a relationship. And the most important um, uh, uh, thing, hallelujah, the most important factor in creating and maintaining a relationship with God, amen, is prayer. There is no one greater thing you can do to honor the Lord as your God than to pay homage to Him in prayer. Hallelujah. There's nothing else. Don't look for something else greater spiritually because it's not there. You're not going to find it. Hallelujah. If you're failing on prayer, you're going to fail in every other aspect of your Christian walk. Hallelujah. You're just not going to make it through. Hallelujah. We ought to begin and end every day in prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. Before making any decisions... About anything, you ought to pray. If you go out and you decide it's time to trade cars, you ought to respect God enough, amen, and, and, and decide to be blessed in what you do. Ask God about it. Hallelujah. A lot of people go out and they'll buy this and they'll buy that and they'll just get spin happy. Hallelujah. And they don't take the time, amen, to include God in any of, the, any of their decisions. Then a few months down the road, uh, come a prayer request time, y'all pray for me. I'm having financial difficulties. Hello, somebody. Amen. We ought to make God a part of every decision we make whether we think it's big or whether we think it's small. The Bible tells us we need to pray for those in leadership. That means those from those that's in the White House to those that's in the church house. Hallelujah. The Bible explains well. That, so don't, don't say we don't have anything to pray about. I guarantee you, you got more to pray about than you got hours in the day to do it. Glory to God. Pray for those in leadership. Pray for those who are lost. Amen. My Lord, think about the millions that are dying lost without Jesus every day. Somebody needs to be praying for these people. Hallelujah. Pray to have your needs met 
and prayed just to thank Him for His mercy and love. I like, uh, there was over 2,000 songs that Dottie Rambo wrote in her lifetime. Uh, and um, and it's, it's hard to pick, pick a favorite, but one of, one of them on the list that, uh, that I like is, is a song, uh, uh, I Didn't Come Here to Ask You for Anything. I just came to talk with you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, we get our emotions that we have from being a part of being made in the image of God. And some of the same things that we desire from our children, God desires from His. Amen. I don't remember which one it was, but I remember one time I came home from work one day, and one of my three children met me and said, Daddy, I love you. I don't remember which one it was. Out of three now, I can't remember that. But I, rem- I remember one thing about it. It made me swell up so much in pride to know that my child was coming to me just to tell me that, not to say, Daddy, I need some money to do this. You know what I did? I reached in my wallet, Brother Wayne, and I got some money. And as soon as I handled the money, I said, Daddy, I love you. <laughs> I said, that's it. <laughs> Glory. That's it. And God is the same way, church. Amen. There's a lot of people who never get on their knees and pray unless they're asking God for something. Hallelujah. Brother, Brother Bobby, I can't remember this uh, a man's name that come in come into the church over there on Meridian Street, uh, and uh, I, 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 Roscoe came in and uh, uh, gets baptized and um, gives myself and Brother Bobby and some other men talk church. You know, he said, "Well, you know what? I I was raised up uh, in church, and my dad was a Pentecostal preacher, and all this, and I just got." Out and away from God and and all that and uh, you know I I know what this is about and uh, rededicate my life and uh, while while he was drying off and ain't even put his dry clothes back on yet then he comes up with oh by the way I was wondering if the church can help me with something and uh, our our people are are. Um, Gracious people always have been. Our church is one of the givingest churches. Our church, we get, we give more than what some uh, uh, that are they're bigger than this church right here uh, gives. I guarantee that. And uh, didn't see him again for another six or seven months. And that that went on for two or three years. He never come to church, never worship God. You could guarantee, brother Bobby, that when he walked in the door, he was coming because he's wanting something. And so finally, I says, I says, Roscoe, I says, I said, we don't mind helping nobody. We, tr- we try to help as many people as we can. I says, but you can't help anyone who's not willing to help themselves. I says, and it wouldn't be right for us to take God's money. And I says, and once money is put in these offering plates, that money's not mine. It's not. It, it's. It's not even. A, it, it, it's not even the members of this congregation anymore. That money belongs to God. And I says. I says the resources in this church belongs to God. 
I says, and those of us who who who's uh, in, uh, in authority here, Amen, would not be doing God justice if we just throw things. Out. I said, I said, Ruscoff says, I love you, man, with all my heart. I says, but the only time that you ever come is when you wanted something. You've never come one time. He hung his head. He says, you're right, Pastor. And uh, he left that time, and that's been several years, and we ain't seen seen him no more. And that's a sad situation, folks, but there's a lot of people caught up in that. The only time that they go to God in prayer is when they want something. They can't, they can't go to Him and just talk to Him on a daily basis. They can't just, when they get up in the morning, say, Lord, I thank You for waking me up today. You know what I do usually in, in the mornings? When some people is griping, complaining about the job that they got, and they, they can't stand their job, and they can't stand their boss, and they can't stand this and that, I pray early in the morning, and I say, God, I thank you that I got my right mind. I thank you, God, that you allowed me to wake up today that I can think for myself. I thank you, my Father, because I was able to clothe myself. Nobody else had to put my clothes on. Nobody else had to shave me and to wash my face. And when I sat on that old school bus and when it's sitting there running, I said, Lord, I thank you, God, for this job. I thank you, God, that you've given me this to be a source that I can meet the needs of myself and my family. I thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is what I'm talking about, church. The need for prayer. The need for you to really be serious with God, to talk to your your God, your Father like that. Let, let me go on. I, I want to get the other three. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. The need of prayer. We need prayer if we're going to be serious about living for God. The next thing is the need of humility. The need of humility. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. For I say... Uh, 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 through the grace given unto me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself. And let me say, I know you're not supposed to, uh, to add nothing, but it, this, this implies both. Uh, I say everyone who is among you not to think of himself or herself more highly than they ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, folks, listen to me. I hear a whole lot from people saying, I want to be used by God. I want God to use me. And that's, 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 that's legitimate. That is legitimate. And I think you know, that we ought to want to be used by God. But if, if your desire um, is to be used by God in any capacity, then you must allow humility to always take control of your spirit. Amen. You've got to let humility take control of your mind and your spirit. Uh, uh, Brother Coffin preached a great message on the airways this morning. I was listening to him. He's uh, talking and dealing with the heart. He talked about how a lot of people getting um, uh, messed up uh, uh, when the Bible talks about, about the heart. And 
And he brought that on the radio broadcast this morning that the heart is, is, just, is no more than a muscle. And that's true. It's a muscle and it beats and it pumps, pump, pumps blood in our body. Well, the Bible talks about the heart. It's talking about the seat of our soul, which is our mind. Hallelujah. And none of us should ever think more highly of ourselves than what we ought to think. Even though God is a God of love. Well, let, let, me, let me say this. It would benefit us greatly if you understand, even though God's a God of love, you would benefit if you understand that there are still some things that God hates. All but I always heard God's a God of love. He is a God of love. He's not only a God of love, but He is love. God is love. But that don't change the fact. The Bible says there are some things that God hates. And we, we would benefit if we would understand that. And when you're talking about things that God hates, pride is the top of the list. Pride is the top of the list. You don't get any worse than pride with God. Hallelujah. Amen. The seed, listen to me, the seed of every sin ever committed is pride. You, I don't care what the sin is, if you trace to the root of it, the root of every sin ever committed is pride. It was the original sin which brought about the downfall of Lucifer when he was an archangel. Now, we all time talking about signs and wonders and miracles in the body. And uh, for the gifts to operate. And everybody wants to debate today on how come we don't see it as much as what it used to be. Hallelujah. We don't see it as much as what back in the, in the 40s, which was before my time. But there was enough people who I witnessed who told me that. And I, you, I preached this message one time in Cartridge, Tennessee, uh, at Brother DeWeese's church, back before that, uh, that he was carried on uh, to glory. Um, and somebody in there came up and told me, said, you know what, I am that lady's grandson. But back, back in those days, somebody was out front pushing the, the old push mower, the old... Blade type. It didn't have a motor in it. How many knows what I'm talking about? We've come a long way, baby. There was a child messing around, Sean, that got a finger whacked off about right there by that blade. I wish I could think of that sister's name. I can't think of her name right now, my mind, but, uh, uh, but, but she ministered a little and, uh, and was in the, some of the earliest Pentecostal churches here in Nashville back before ours was even founded. They didn't, they didn't call the doctor. They called her. She came over there. She took that finger that was cut off clean, took that finger and had him lay it back up on that stump, that other one, took anointing oil and poured oil on it, 
and wrapped it up real tight and prayed in Jesus' name. I don't remember how long. Have you, have you ever heard this story, brother? I don't, I, I don't remember how long it was. Maybe a close to a month or whatever. But the time come, they decided to take off the bandages to make sure to see everything was all right. And when, when those bandages was taken off, Brother Art, as, as sure as I'm standing here, that, that, that finger was whole. It was healed. It was healed. Wasn't sold on with needle and thread. Hallelujah. And that wasn't out of the ordinary back then. It was all the time. It was all the time. And people today say, well, Brother, Brother Sammy, why do we don't see it in that fashion right now? I'm going to tell you why. Those people back then, most of them were just plain, ordinary people. Amen. They didn't try to put on no show. They didn't have no pride about them. And they didn't try to take the credit that belonged to God. They gave Him the glory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God's not going to pour out His Spirit with signs and wonders as long as there's going to be somebody. Oh, I was one laying. Oh, I was one laying hands on Him when he got healed. I don't make no difference. Hallelujah. You can come up here right now and got a sickness and I can anoint you and I can pray for you, but it might be somebody's prayer back in the back who prayed the prayer of faith. God forbid I ever try to take credit for something that God did. That's one reason why we are blessed as much as we are. Because we do our best around here to stay humble before God. If you're going to be serious about living for God, you've got to have humility. You can't never take none of the credit or the glory that belongs to God. Hallelujah. It don't matter about me. Hallelujah. I, I have I go to, I go to, I go to meetings all the time and People sometimes I, they ask me how come how come you ain't got this title in front of your name and all that and all that stuff and a lot of them a lot of them I, I have I, I have the right I mean I I went uh, I've been consecrated a bishop I, I am a bishop but I, I don't put none of that stuff in front of my name I don't want to do nothing any kind of way to make anybody think that I'm trying to lift myself up and all above God, my Lord. I'm, 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 man, we just keep getting more and more titles on our names and all. I, I, I was at one, one, one meeting with one of them in one big group and uh, um, and they, they was calling one guy Archbishop. I said, my Lord, Archbishop. I keep, I'm wondering when we're going to have some popes in the Apostolic Church. Hello, glory to God. It's not about me, it's not about you, and it's all about Him. Hallelujah, glory to God. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. We got to have humility. Third thing, and I got to, uh, uh, to hold on, is the need of compassion. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. 
you hear people talk about, well, the name Christian means to be Christ-like, and we've got to be Christ-like. You hear people talk about being Christ-like all, a, a whole lot. But let me tell you something, church. Now, you've got to understand what I'm fixing to say. I believe in holiness. I'm a holiness preacher. I believe we've got to be holy. But I'm here to tell you to be Christ-like has little to do with our thoughts on the appearance, appearance of holiness, such as hairstyle and such. But it's got everything to do with well, being Christ-like has everything to do with having a compassionate heart for all people. Jesus had compassion for people. If sinners come up to him, he didn't say, I can't pray for you because you're a sinner. You get saved first. I challenge anybody to show me that. Hallelujah. If they come to him in faith, he had time for them. He had compassion for them. Jesus had compassion for all people. And you know what? He had just as much compassion for Judas as he did for John. And John was the one that was called the beloved disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. But Jesus had just as much compassion. You don't think Christ had compassion when he hung, was hanging on the cross between heaven and earth, going through the pain that, that, that he had gone through physically, but yet he took the time to pray, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Oh, my Lord. Let me say this before I move on. The Greek word written in the original text, which we translate compassion, this, high, this is how it's pronounced in the Greek. This is the way that actually, uh, when Peter wrote down his book, First Peter, this is the word that Peter actually wrote. Sympathias, uh, and I'm not pronouncing it completely right, but that's the Greek, sympathos, and it's, it's where we get our English word sympathy. That's what it means to be sympathetic. That's what the word compassion is. If we're going to if we're going if we're going to reach this city for Christ, we got to have compassion for people. We got to have compassion for the lost. When we look at people and we see them in their condition, we can, we cannot be judgmental about them and say, "Well, I ain't got time to fool with you because you're not living up to my standard." So what? You, you, you've got to have compassion to lead somebody to Christ, to be a witness, to t tell them what the Word says about being saved and how to be saved. Hallelujah. If they truly get saved and they mean it from their heart, if they repent from their heart and they baptize and fill with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost would lead them and guide them into all truth. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We've got to have compassion. We've got to be sympathetic. Amen. Over situation. The fourth and the final thing, and, and I have uh, sped up because I want to get all four of these, is the need for sanctification. Now, when I talked about compassion a few weeks ago, I told you I didn't want you, I didn't want you to misunderstand what I had about to say. But now we're talking about serious Christian living. The needs that we got to have to be a, really be serious about living. 
And that's the, the fourth and the final one is the need for sanctification. First Thessalonians 5 and 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. That means completely throughout. That means the three parts of you, mind, body, and soul. That one verse right there takes care of the people who says God don't care about your body. He does care about your body. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this fourth and final need for serious Christian living, that's sanctification. That is one word along with its counterpart, which is holiness, that you rarely hear mentioned among the ranks of the modern-day church. Some people don't think God is concerned with sanctification, but I'm going to tell you something. Don't fool yourself. He is. Sanctification works in two different ways. Number one, when you kneel on an altar in prayer and you repent of your sins, it don't make no difference what you've done, where you've been, nothing about it. If you was, if you was serious in your prayer to God, when you rise up, and Brother Bobby was talking earlier about this, the old man's baptized. The old man baptism is is, is is symbolic of burial, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We follow his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Amen. The old man is gone. The new man. You are sanctified, you are washed, you are clean instantaneously. You never will be no more pure than what you are at that very moment because every sin has been eradicated. I'm talking about surpassings. So sanctification is first an instantaneous work, but then it's also a continuous work. Hallelujah. The where the Word of God teaches us, amen, that if we... Uh, if we, uh, he said, these things are right on you, brethren, that, that you sin not, but if any man do sin. Now, this is written to the church. It's not talking to the world. This is talking to people who's come in and is living for God. If you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, which is a propitiation for our sins, and not only ours, but that of the whole world. God is concerned of sanctification. We are cleansed when we come to him. And then, um, and then that process continues. His blood continues to flow. If I mess up, if I do wrong, amen, uh, that same blood, praise God, that wiped away all those in the past, takes care of those right here when I mess up or I do things. That I, and we should be concerned with sanctification. Let me say this at this point. Because I've gotten some flack in the past about some things. But I'm, I'm going I'm to tell you honestly. I'm going to tell you honestly. Now, I don't make no comments to nobody on my own who comes and wants to come and be a wor- worship God. You come, you worship the Lord. The Bible says, let everything that hath breath, what? Praise the Lord. And so I don't question. No way, shape, form, or fashion. 
But understand this. As long as I'm pastoring Christ Family Church, there is a particular standard that has to be adhered to before you are used on the platform or that you are elevated to some kind of position in the church. Oh, but Brother Sammy, you know, this one over here, uh, they letting this one do this and do that, and you you know they're involved in this and that and that. I can't, I can't, I'm not responsible for what somebody else does. If I've learned anything down through the years, I've, I've learned this. The anointing of God is what destroys the yoke. Am I right? We've got to have the anointing in our worship and everything we do. And I know what it takes to have the anointing to flow in your worship service. And I've told some folks, I said, yeah, I've been to so-and-so's church, and I've seen that. I says, I says they might be good people and all that. I says, but you know yourself, they're as dead as a doornail. There's no anointing there. I mean, it's just like going to first church of the refrigeration. We have to sanctify ourselves. If we want to be used by God, we... Uh, listen. Before I get up here my own self, I go to God in prayer. I say, God, if there's something that I have done that I don't know about, I say, God, I want you to sanctify me right now. Let the Holy Ghost you give me, let it sanctify me wholly before I get behind this desk and I minister because I have got to have the anointing. I cannot do nothing without the anointing. I'm not a minister without the anointing. I need that anointing. Just like under the Old Testament in the tabernacle, the priest had a, had a process they had to go through with before they entered the Holy of Holies. Those priests, before they buried other people's sins, they had to first stop at the altar themselves, and they had to be a, a sacrifice offered for their sins. Am I right, Brother Paul? We taught on the Old Testament tabernacle sometime back on Wednesday night. They had to stop at the brazen labor, and they had, had to wash. Hallelujah. We are cleansed with a washing of the water by the Word. Amen? I don't care if that priest, being son of Levi or not, if he if he decided he was just going to walk right in, in inside the tent to the holy place without stopping at the altar and, and doing a sacrifice for his own self, and then at the laver, uh, there were bells hung around uh, his garment. You know that there was a bell and a pomegranate sewn around the hem of their garment. And when that pomegranate hit against that bell, it would make a ringing sound. And there was a cord tied to one of the ankles of those men. And when they walked inside the holy, holy place to perform the work in there, people was on the outside listening for the tinkling of those bells. They knew as long as they could hear those bells ringing, that man was walking around and he was alive. But if he had walked in there without being sanctified first, without being concerned for the sanctification process, he would fall over dead. And they would need that rope to pull him out because nobody else had the authority to go in. Whew. It's tight, but it's right. 
Now, what the New Testament said, oh, Brother, Brother Sammy, that was Old Testament. We're in you, yeah. But did, did but did not the Hebrew writer say if the administration of the Old Testament was that way much greater? How much you think this administration that we're under today, this Holy Ghost dispensation, glory to God, that those people did not have the Spirit inside them. They only had the Holy Ghost come on them, not in them. We got something greater. Hallelujah. We got it within us, and we don't have an excuse. Give the Lord praise. Give the Lord praise. Everybody stand together. Hallelujah. Amen. The four needs for serious Christian living. The need for prayer, the need for humility, the need of compassion, the need for sanctification. Amen. Let's get serious this year about living for God. Let's see if we can go into maturity. We're going to be dealing with some other things about maturity as we go on. Now, next week, uh, uh, next week, if the Lord, if the Lord wills and He permits, Next Sunday is Sanctity of Life Sunday. Uh, it is uh, 39 years since the passage of Roe v. Wade. And in that time period, they don't really know for sure, but they, 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 estimate, they estimate at least 50 million unborn babies have been slaughtered in their mother's womb since 1973 when Roe v. Wade come in condition, uh, and, and, and came to pass. We always, down through the years, a group of us always go. There's a rally downtown at 2 o'clock. Naturally, we can't go to that because of our service time. But uh, we're going to be talking about that next week, the Lord permit, um, and dealing with that. And then we'll, we'll, we'll continue on with our series a little bit to a little bit later on, praise the Lord. Does anybody need prayer for anything today? Prayer for your body or any, any anything before uh, we dismiss today? We uh, give you an opportunity if you if you need prayer for anything, praise the Lord.